We're going to begin this afternoon in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. I want us to notice verses 12 through 14. Colossians 1 verses 12 through 14. Paul says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. You know, many people fear change. Change isn't something that most people want to embrace. In fact, when anything deviates from the normal routine of life, they just simply cannot handle it. They kind of go into a a meltdown. Some people do. One one older lady stood up during a lecture being given by Dr. Werner von Braun, a German-born American aerospace engineer who uh, came to prominence after World War II. She stood up during one of his lectures and she said, Why can't we forget about all these newfangled ideas about going into space and be content to stay at home and watch television like the good Lord intended? Well, he was a big part of NASA in the the, the 40s and 50s and uh, he was part of a... Uh, uh, kind of a secret undercover operation that right after World War II, uh, along with a whole lot of other Germans, came and uh, was brought over into this country and and became a big part of that group that helped to uh, uh, send uh, our people into outer space. But anyway, you know, some people just have a hard time with change. She thought that people ought to sit home and, and just watch TV like God intended them to do. Now, some changes are negative, but, but a lot of changes are positive. Now, in our text this afternoon, Paul spoke about change. And the changes he mentioned are beyond positive. In fact, they are priceless. They're priceless in their benefit to us and in their contribution to our lives. Those changes take place in the lives of every person who is born again and becomes a child of God. Now this afternoon, I want us to understand, maybe a little more clearly, the things God has changed in our lives when He saved us. The title of the sermon is, The Change We All Needed. I want us to begin with, Our Station in Life Has Changed. Our Station in Life Has Changed. That's our first point. We went from being unprepared to being a prepared people. Paul said, He hath made us partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, made us meet. What was he talking about? Made us meet means we have been prepared or qualified. We are a prepared people. He made us qualified. God has made us so that we might be able to participate in His inheritance with those saints who have already been promoted to glory. Now, think about this for a minute. When we chose to be a part of this world, and that's what all people do at one time or another, they choose to be a part of this world, they choose to 
do those things that are contrary to what God has asked them to do. When we do that, we are not qualified to participate in anything related to God. We're not qualified to do that. We are not subject to be able to participate in any godly activity. However, when God changed each of us through the gospel system of faith, we then become qualified or meet to participate in and to become a part of those things that God recognizes as worthy. Paul said we're called by His gospel, 2 Thessalonians 2.14. That is the system of faith. And through that system of faith, we are able to overcome the sins of this world through Jesus Christ, and that makes us worthy or qualified. We now become qualified. Paul told those in Ephesus, and it applies to all people, and this I think is one of one of the uh, very important verses to get this idea across to folks, Ephesians 2, beginning with verse 1, we'll read down through verse 3. He says, And you hath he quickened, or made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. That fits right in with what we're saying. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. Now this is uh, uh, has been confusing in time past and has been misused in misused and abused by people, when he says, uh, and were by nature the children of, of wrath. People have used that to say, you see, there you go. They were born, that's a sinful nature. That's not at all what he's talking about. That was their natural habit. That was a habit. It's just second nature to them. Have you ever heard someone say that? That's Well, that's just second nature. What does that mean? Well, if you're driving a car and someone pulls out in front of you, what's your second nature to do? You hit the brake, do you have to think about hitting the brake? No. It's second nature, isn't it? You just hit the brake. That's what Paul's talking about. They weren't born sinful to do that. That was their habit. They had done it so much that it was just second nature to them. They were by habit the children of wrath. They had chosen to do that, right? They had chosen to live by the world, so they weren't qualified to participate in anything that was godly. But God had quickened them. They were dead in trespasses and sin. But God had made them alive, so now they could do that. He told those in Rome, Romans 6 verse 17, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. That What was that form of doctrine? That was the system of faith. That's what Romans was all about, right? So preparation 
is what will make a person ready to face the temptations of life. That's why Paul was so adamant telling the Ephesians to put on the armor of God. That's why he told them, have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It is the gospel that prepares us, Ephesians 6.15. So we are a prepared people that changes our station in life, but we are also a privileged people. That's what happens when a when a person obeys the gospel. They become privileged. Privileged because we receive that inheritance. See, to receive an inheritance, you have to uh, first be a part of the family, right? You have to be a part of the family. When a person receives an inheritance, they don't normally just go right out on the street corner and choose someone, right? No, you're part of the family. That is a privilege to be a part of God's family. We are heirs together with Christ, Romans eight seventeen. See, that is beyond a blessing. Paul said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, Ephesians 1, verse 3. So let's consider just for a moment the wonderful possessions that we have because of the wonderful grace of God. We're heirs of eternal life, Titus 3, verse 7. That's amazing, isn't it? Heirs. Heirs with who? Heirs with Christ. Heirs with each other. We're heirs of the promises of Abraham, Galatians 3, 29. We've been talking about uh, uh, the wonderful things of the book of Hebrews. Abraham was one of those. We just talked about him this past Thursday night. We're heirs of the promises of Abraham. We're heirs of salvation, Hebrews 1, 14. We are heirs of glory, Romans 8, 17. We are heirs of the eternal inheritance, Hebrews 9, 15. That list could go on and on and on. But those things allow us to know how privileged that Christians are because of the changes God has made in our lives. God loved us. Jesus died for us. The Spirit leads us through the Word. Our station in life has changed. And our status has changed. That's our second point. Our status has changed. Now what was that? How's our status changed? Well, at one point, we were lost. We were lost. In a lost condition, humanity is under the power of darkness. He held captive under a, a cruel master, right? Humanity in general is held captive under a cruel master. Who cares nothing for humanity, right? Here's what Satan wants. Satan wants all people to be lost, wants the soul to be in hell in darkness, in sin, for eternity. Now what kind of a person wants to be under subjection to a master like that? Well, that's what Satan offers. That's what Satan offers. So that's the status, right? Now the word power has the notion of authority and jurisdiction. That's what Satan offers. That's what Satan offers, right? The lost are not controlling their destination. They are allowing 
their destination to be controlled, right? Now, that doesn't mean that they have no control over their destination. It just simply means they have given up control. How do we know that? Well, we look at the parable of the lost son. We look in Luke 15, 17, after he had gone through all of that process of spending all of his father's living, uh, getting to the point where he was living with the hogs and would have eaten out of the, the slop that was being fed to the hogs. And in that verse, Luke 15, 17, it says, And he came to himself. See, sin causes you to do things that under normal circumstances you wouldn't do. So he came to himself and he decided to take charge or take back charge of his own life. So he came to himself, right? People can change. God can change people, right? They must come to themselves and they must make the choice to allow God to intervene in their lives and to make those necessary changes. Notice what Paul told those in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 6 beginning with verse 9. He said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You see, they took control of their lives and they allowed God to change them. We were talking just last week The idea of Corinth, to be called a Corinthian, meant that you had zero standards. You didn't even have to be from Corinth. If you behaved like a Corinthian, you would do anything, right? They chose to allow God to change their status from lost to liberated. That's the status that we're all looking for, right? When God offered His grace through Christ's sacrifice... He broke those bonds that held humanity down. And He broke them forever. He set all people free if they would just simply accept it. He defeated Satan, right? When Jesus saves those who will be saved, He instantly delivers. It isn't a gradual thing, is it? What about the Ethiopian eunuch? We turn over to Acts chapter 8. You start up there somewhere around... Verse 26 or 27, he's reading from a scroll in Isaiah and uh, Philip joins him in his chariot and he begins to teach him about Jesus. They come to a certain water and he says, See, here's water, what doth hinder me from being baptized? We remember how the account goes. He said, If thou believest, thou mayest. He said, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. And they go down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and Philip baptized him. The last thing we read about the eunuch is he goes on his way rejoicing. It is immediate. Not a gradual process. When Jesus saves a person, that person is immediately saved. The Philippian jailer, Acts chapter 16. He's about to fall upon his sword. Paul stops him. He falls down before him. He he 
washes his stripes and show of repentance. That same hour he goes and baptizes him after he's taught the gospel. He is immediately saved after obeying the gospel. It's not a gradual thing. We're powerfully delivered once we're liberated. It's a new birth, John chapter 3, right? We're new creatures, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We are set free, Luke 4, 18. It's powerful. It's powerful. It's, we are eternally delivered. What Jesus repairs and fixes is not a temporary fix. It's an eternal solution, isn't it? He doesn't just put a band-aid on it. It's not like the Old Testament. You offer a sacrifice and next year you have to come back and you have to do it again and then you have to do it the next year and, and you do that for 4,000 years until something better comes along. No, Jesus was the sacrifice, 1 Peter 1, verse 5. He took sin out of the way, the eternal solution to sin. The only time it doesn't last is if the person being saved gives up his or her salvation. Galatians 5, 4, 2 Peter 2, 20-22. The change we all needed changed our station in life, it changed our status in life, and it also changed our standing. That's our third and our final point. Jesus brought us into a new realm. He took us out of the realm of darkness, and He brought us into His kingdom. We're in His church. That's His kingdom, isn't it? And we await the kingdom of heaven. Paul said we've been translated, meaning we've been moved from one place into another place. That's amazing, isn't it? We were moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And because of that, because we're in the new kingdom, we are subject to new laws, into, into new rules, right? New rules for living. The blessed assurance that we have been given and that we are delivered from the power of Satan is one of the greatest blessings that we have. We can be assured that we're not subject to eternal death. That's amazing, isn't it? That brings all kinds of comfort to us. That brings comfort knowing those who've gone on before us. They're not just gone forever. We're not ever going to see those folks again. That means we will see them again. All we have to do is be faithful and we'll be reunited. That's the wonderful part, isn't it? We have, to, we have to be faithful. We'll have that ability to be in the kingdom. That kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Notice what Peter encouraged. 2 Peter 1 beginning with verse 10. He said, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. It is beyond me how the denominational world can teach that you cannot fall. If you do these things, you shall never fall. Well, Brother Peter, what if you don't do those things? Well, stands to reason that you'll fall. Right? So, let's do those things. 
so we won't fall. We have a new realm, and we also have a new ruler. Before, we we were under the domain of Satan. Whether we realized it or not, people don't realize. I don't think people intend, they say, hey, I want to serve Satan. I don't think anyone really intends to do that. But Jesus said, if you're either you're for me or you're against me, there's, that's the only choice, right? I don't think the world says, hey, or at least most people in the world, I don't think most people in the world say, hey, I want to be for Satan. But when we're not doing exactly what Jesus says, we are for Satan. But here's what Satan wants. He wants to dishonor the name of God at all costs. And he wants to cause as many of his creation to go to hell as possible. But when we obeyed the gospel, we entered God's kingdom and became subject to his rule, right? He's our ruler. Christ the one who gave us life, the Father who sent his Son because of his great love for us, John three sixteen. That's amazing, isn't it? We all ought to want to serve and obey him. In the 1780s, Ben Franklin and the the Duke of Orleans sent up a hot air balloon over France. As it descended into into a farmer's field, people saw that and they began to, to rush out at it with sticks and pitchforks and clubs and they attacked it with a frenzy and they destroyed that hot air balloon. They thought it was the moon having fallen to earth. You know, some people just don't understand change. They have a hard time with it. Well, the moon hasn't fallen upon us, but heaven has certainly showered us with blessings. And God has offered us change, and, and we've been changed. And Paul explains that to us in Colossians chapter 1. He talks about that wonderful change. It's not just a change. They are priceless blessings and it is the change that we all needed redemption through his blood we've been purchased out of slavery been given another chance an opportunity and we know that through the the plan of salvation faith and repentance confession immersion in water faithful living forgiveness of sins every evil and wicked thing ever done can be simply washed away with repentance, a change of mind, turning into a change of lifestyle, right? Just simply washed away with the right attitude, the right heart, and the right way of living. Now, even at that, sometimes we we make mistakes in our lives, and the Christian has to recognize that. That's called walking in the light. And as we walk in the light, we recognize those sins, and we get rid of them immediately. Sometimes we step out of the light. Now, when that happens, we have, to, we have to recognize that. And we have to make amends for that. Now, sometimes we have to do that publicly. If we've brought any kind of reproach or shame, or if it's in such a way that, that we can't go to everyone, we have to, make an amend, we have to make amends publicly. Either way, God expects us to repent, make that confession one to another, and asked him to forgive us, to forgive us. And he will do it. He wants to do it. 
God wants to forgive us. But the question is today is this. Will I accept the change that God has offered, that He has so bountifully offered? If you stand in need to answer this Lord's invitation, let that be known as we stand and as we sing.